Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Common Sense for America podcast. I'm Ian Duncan, your CSA director and host. Our mission is to put common sense intelligence back into American thought. Well, I like to open each podcast with this question. How did we get here? How did we get to a place where the media bias is so obvious it's not even funny? They ignore everything bad that Biden and the Biden administration is doing, and they highlight everything bad that Trump, the potential GOP candidate, is doing and completely focus on all of that every time, especially when a new uh, Biden bomb drops, right? You don't hear anything about that in the mainstream media, but you hear everything bad. And, and there's always a new indictment about Trump every time something like that happens. You know, how did how does that happen? Uh, there's also constant gaslighting by the Biden administration. They talk about Bidenomics, trying to tell you that the economy is doing great when it's pretty obvious it's not. Biden flat out lying about his re- business relationships with Hunter and the provable paper trails that the House of Representatives and uh, the investigation team has. And if you don't believe me, you can go out and do a Google search on Congress. Actually, it's a government site. I believe it's the House of Representatives site looking into the Hunter Biden corruption. So you can actually go look at these things for yourself. Don't don't take anybody's word for things like this. Go look for these things yourself. I highly recommend doing that. You also see the weaponization by the DOJ, right? Jack Smith, I talked to you about Trump. Jack Smith indictments. He was a special counsel that was appointed by the Biden DOJ to investigate Trump in in January 6th. Even though for four years you had uh, Nancy Pelosi and the House of Representatives try to investigate January 6th, and it was constantly, again, all over, all over the news. You, you heard about that constantly, even though that's already been sort of tried in the uh, public opinion. The reason for that is, is that right now it's politically expedient for them to highlight Trump and minimize the Biden issues as to influence the election. You can believe whether or not that uh, the you know January sixth and and the the election is stolen. That's up to you. You know, look to see what what evidence is out there, and you come to your own conclusions. I personally think it was heavily influenced. I don't think it was stolen, but I do believe it was heavily influenced in a very negative way that favored Joe Biden and very much made Trump made out to be something he's not, and then. The, you know, I talk about the weaponization of the DOJ. And then on the other side of that, you have voters that believe that Trump is kind of almost a messianic individual where the guy can apparently do no wrong. Do I think he's done wrong? Absolutely. I think he's done wrong. Do I think it's to the point of any other politician? No, I do not. Has he been targeted? Yes, that's pretty obvious. And you think about how is it that we got to this point where it is, you can see the insane bias on each side, right? And how did that happen? How did that chasm get created? You know, those Trumpers, they, they, they will probably vote Trump into be the GOP candidate, even if he's convicted. And it, is that helpful? I don't think so. Um, does that make 
in the general election, will he uh, be able to win with all the baggage that's going to, we all know, because of the media bias is going to be focused on? I highly doubt it. But, you know, how did we get to that point? And I will talk about that after this commercial break. Today's podcast is brought to you by CPI Transactions. Need non-standard funding for real estate deals? CPI Transactions can help. We make real estate transactions easier. Check us out at cpitransactions.com. How we got to that place where there's this double standard, so to speak, when it comes to the media, when it comes to the great division that you're seeing between Democrats and Republicans as a whole, especially on the fringe sides, you know, how did, how did that happen? Well, to truly understand that, you need to understand leftism and leftism ideology. Leftism is essentially an ideology of emotion, of irrationality. It bases most of its philosophy on making, you know, this idea that you can create this utopia without any evidence of being able to do so. And it looks at capitalism as inherently bad, even though historically capitalism has been proven to be good. That's leftism in a nutshell. And the reason why I kind of bring up capitalism in rationality is because Adam Smith wrote what's called The Wealth of Nations, and he defined the whole idea of capitalism as the reason it works is because of rational self-interest. What is that? Well, rational self-interest is where a person or a company in, in working towards self-betterment or self-preservation and self-focus, they will create a good or a service that is marketable. And why is it marketable? Well, because it makes a situation or a task or whatever to uh, the majority of people easier, right? It benefits society. And it, it benefits society in some manner. And the rational self-interest the person create or the person or company creates that good in order to better themselves, but in doing so lifts up society because society also benefits. And when you understand that whole rational relationship, then you understand why capitalism works. It takes into consideration the whole idea of that self-preservation and self-focus and self-betterment. And the only reason it works is because when you're doing that, you're creating something that benefits the population as a whole, society as a whole. And if you didn't, that's when those things don't typically go well. You know, uh, that's why capitalism has created so many great things, right? Air conditioning, dishwashers, most everything in modern society today, your iPhone, that is created because of the rational self-interest. Uh, Steve Jobs did not go create an iPhone to make everybody happy. Steve Jobs created an iPhone because, one, he liked the ability to use technology in such a way that he could make money. And as a whole, society has benefited. That is capitalism and rational self-interest. Leftism, also known as Marxism, is not based in that idea. If you, if you listen to Bernie Sanders, he doesn't understand why we have multiple types of phones. He doesn't understand why we have multiple brands, right? He's a socialist. And the reason he doesn't understand that is because in, he's got this idea of utopia that somehow things are more efficient. 
And that is based not on evidence, because if it was based on evidence and you see the USSR and then China prior to it opening up markets, they were very bland. They, they were not successful. They created crap. And in, in Russia, which is, you know, was part of the former USSR, they did not start becoming a better society until they opened up parts of capitalistic and markets and, and that using rational self-interest. It was all based purely on emotional focus and the self. And they thought they could make things happen, and obviously it did not, right? And, and that's because Marx, he despised capitalistic societies, and he despised Judeo-Christian beliefs. He thought the systems themselves were corrupt. And he talked about that in the Communist Manifesto. Now, Marx focused on the what's known as the proletariat and the bourgeoisie. And those two groups in today's terms would be the ultra-rich and then pretty much everybody else, right? Bourgeoisie were the elites, the Jeff Bezoses, the Bill Gates. In today's society, we see them as elite. But that would be the bourgeoisie class. And then everybody else was, you know, typically the middle class. And he saw... The downside of capitalism um, through the lens of crony capitalism, where certain groups uh, use their economic power to influence government decisions, which in today's terms would be considered lobbyists. And so because of that, he didn't really look at the good side. He, he focused completely on the bad and he despised the Judeo-Christian capitalistic society and he absolutely despised organized religion. When you talk to most people that lean um, more left in today's society, you will hear that common theme, right? They talk about how capitalism is bad. They talk about how organized religion is bad. And what most people, I'm going to focus a little bit on religion right here, most people don't realize is when you create a vacuum by not focusing on organized religion, you create a vacuum and you create a religious-like belief in something else. And that's exactly what Marx wanted. Prime example today is the whole topic of climate change, right? You hear this focus anytime there is something that happens, it's due to climate change, right? You've got the droughts that happened in the Midwest this year. You hear about the flooding in the eastern plains. You talk about heat waves. Well, those are always focused on and exacerbated in the public sphere, because they want you to, to think that that's an issue. Yes, climate change does happen. The earth originally was, at some point, depending upon your belief system, was a big ball of hot lava, if you believe that. Or, you know, most people can point to the ice age. There's evidence of the ice age. So the climate has constantly been changing. And they focus on that because it is a, an emotional point where you can't, definitively say that this is completely due to human activity. In fact, if you look at logically at things, you can see that it's not. The Earth's climate has been changing since before humans were such a prevalent force. But that's why it is kind of almost a religion in that you, you, you have to have faith in this belief system completely. And there's no focus on Focus on that dogma, idealistic, simplistic view. You don't think about the consequences of what 
is being pushed, like electric vehicles, wind, solar, battery, power, you don't think about the consequences and what it takes to create those technologies and how a lot of those technologies are not very stable and they're not recyclable. A lot of the uh, solar panels and things are created in China. How does China create that? They create that through carbon-based power sources that actually the net carbon difference of creating that stuff is actually negative. But you're not going to hear that. You're only going to be focused on the good side. Not to mention that mining these things that go into those technologies is very damaging to local ecosystems. People don't focus on that because they don't want you to focus on that. And that's because they want you to focus on being emotional. They want you to make that emotional connection. If any of that was truly about climate and that climate was truly the issue, you would see a much larger push towards nuclear energy. But when you bring up nuclear energy as a viable solution to carbon-based fuel systems, most of the time, especially most of the climate change activists, will turn their nose up and say, no, that's horrible. You know, what about Chernobyl? Well, where was Chernobyl? Where did that happen? Wasn't that the USSR? Wasn't that a socialist country? Power plants that were all over Europe and the United States were very stable. Those were created by a capitalistic society. And why did they function? Well, because in a capitalistic society, there is a drive for innovation because competition drives that innovation. In a, in a communist or socialist society, which, by the way, that's what USSR, USSR stood for, United Soviet Socialist Republic, there is no incentive to create great, right? There is no competition. It's all dictated by a bunch of government-controlled society. And so that's part of the reason why Chernobyl was not so good. So keep that in mind. Think about that, right? Think about how that came about. And once you understand that specifically in the Communist Manifesto, Marx talks about intentionally tearing down capitalism and capitalistic Judeo-Christian societies. He specifically talks about doing that. Once you understand that, you understand how the implementation of doing that and the whole goal is to tear down the capitalistic system. That is leftism. That is absolutely leftism. And it's all based on emotion. The way that they get their, they, they get people motivated to do these things is they get them to motivate, uh, focus on the emotional aspect of things, not the logical. And they often create strife between groups. So originally Marx used that whole proletariat, that socioeconomic focus between, you know, that strife. Originally he used that. Well, as history progressed, capitalistic societies became very successful as a whole. People that believed in the leftist ideology had to pivot and they had to focus on another crack in a capitalistic society to where they could drive a wedge. And what did that become? That became race. You see it today. You see that focus. And I'll talk a little bit more about that a little bit later. But that is a, a point of, of contention. That is, a, uh, people as a whole are typically sorted into groups. They may be socioeconomic. They may be racial. They may be religious. People as a whole tend to find and seek out specific groups. Well, leftism, since they hate the whole idea of capitalism, they focus on ways to create division. 
And in today's society, that happens to be race. And the sad part about all of this is, is that they do this in the name of the common good. They get you to think that, well, you know, we as a people, we, we need to do good. We need to, we need to make everybody equal. We need everybody to have equity. And, and I'll explain a little bit more about that. But it's always masked in this pretty package of the common good. But in order to fully understand that, you need to understand that leftism and Marxism and Leninism specifically wants to tear down capitalism and Judeo-Christian values. And the other piece to that, the religious aspect, they absolutely, as I mentioned earlier, they despise organized religion. Does that sound a little familiar to you folks today? It should. It absolutely should. So, as you think about that, think about how you need a digital footprint that reaches customers. You need to be able to reach out through social media, and social media is not your thing. Think about source one technologies, digital marketing that works. Visit sourceontech.com. So, I kind of explained the rational is the rational self-interest with capitalism and how Marxism and leftism is irrational and very emotionally based. I want to pivot to what some consider the in-between, which is socialism. Socialism, if you Google search it, you will get specifically a, a definition that talks about that, right? You, socialism is a concept, is this political philosophy where there is a society or social ownership of the means of production. What does that mean? That doesn't mean necessarily capitalism, where businesses are the actual levers or owners of production. That means the, that socialism is where the government controls that ownership, that there is no ownership of a company other than by the government. That's why the USSR, the communist China, that's why they were consider themselves, you know, a lot of us, we think of them as communism, but they consider themselves as socialists. That's why the USSR stood for the United Soviet Socialist Republic. And today's modern day here in the United States, Bernie Sanders is a declared socialist, right? That's because he believes that the government should, that society should own the means of production. And that often comes in the form of government. Then there is an offshoot of socialism that some people don't consider quite as extreme, and that's the democratic socialism. An example in today's society is Andrea Ocasio-Cortez. She believes that in most democratic socialists like Pete Buttigieg and some of the other folks, they believe that capitalism is inherently incompatible with freedom and equality or equity, as you will often hear thrown about. Notice the common factor here. Uh, socialist and the democratic socialist, both declared in their own words, are members of the Democratic Party. I want you to really consider that. That's why you are seeing the Democratic Party, the old Democratic Party from 30, 40 years ago, is very much changed. It's very different. It's very left-leaning. And those, those are two people that are in the Democratic Party that are declared as a socialist and also a caucus with the Democratic Party, I should say, um, and part of the Democratic Party, and that is Andrea Ocasio-Cortez. That's not by accident. They're, they're, they have infiltrated the Democratic Party. The third form of socialism that most people try to attribute as totally the opposite of communism 
is fascism. They characterize it as a right-leaning ideology on purpose. The ideology itself is, is nothing, it, it turns into totalitarianism, just like in the USSR, just like in communist China. And they focus on that. And they also focus on race. Why do I bring that up? Because of the fact that when you fully examine the left, that is also what they do. Think about Andrea Ocasio-Cortez. She is, you know, she visited the border while Trump was in office. She was saying that the borders are racist. You hear a lot of Democrats constantly talking about um, systems of oppression, white privilege, CRT. The focus is always on race. What else do they do? They demonize religion. Fascists, you stop and think. Hitler was very anti-religious. He was anti-capitalist, and he was also um, anti-religious. That's why the Jews were targeted. And what's interesting is fascism, the, the term is Italian, and Mussolini and Giovanni Gentile in Italy were the coiners of that term, fascist. What were they before they were fascist? They were socialist. Why did they become fascist? The reason was because they saw that socialism, they were having a hard time getting it implemented, as did Hitler. And so they, they tried to kind of marry that socialistic value and take over the control of corporations. That's why fascism is also known as corporatism. And that is the actual definition where uh, fascism is where the government controls the corporate companies. And what does that sound like? They control the ownership and means of production. The only difference between socialism and fascism is that the private companies are allowed to operate sort of as private companies, but they are still controlled by the government, the elected, the social ownership. Interesting, right? Where in modern times did we see something like that? President Obama, Solyndra, GM, Chrysler, Mussolini, Hitler, and they both, you know, gave money towards companies. And in turn, those companies gave up control to the, the, the specific parties. Does that sound familiar? Obama gave lots of money to Solyndra. Solyndra failed, by the way. Also bailed out GM. Quote, unquote, bailed out GM, right? How did he do that? Well, he took control of it to some extent, not legally, by the way, and told him to get rid of Pontiac. That's why you don't see Pontiacs today. Chrysler was sold to Fiat, an Italian company. Gee, that sounds an awful lot like fascism, does it not? Fascism sounds an awful lot like democratic socialism. Why is that? Well, because they are essentially the same. They also both focus on race. You will, again, I already gave you examples. Obama was constantly focusing on race. So is Andrea Ocasio-Cortez. They all disguised it as democratic socialism. The only the tool that fascism used that is different was nationalism. That wasn't necessarily a part of the ideology itself, 
that was a tool used to implement that ideology. Race was part of the ideology, but nationalism was a way to get people behind them, to, to basically sell it. That's how the left has been able to characterize fascism as right-leaning because that whole nationalistic view, a lot of times people that are nationalists are also somewhat religious. But as demonstrated, both fascism and socialism despise religion and separate via race. The reason they characterize fascism as different than socialism is because they want to disguise it, much like leftism disguised their ideology in the name of the common good. And both democratic socialism and fascism also sold it that way. That's how a whole country somehow came to the conclusion that Jewish people were bad and it was okay to kill them. You're starting to see a little bit of that today. You're starting to see black supremacy and attacks on whites as justified because of systemic oppression, because of the perceived evils of the United States. That's how we got there, folks. That's how we got there. All right, I close out this podcast with these words from Proverbs 321. Don't lose sight of common sense and discernment. Hang on to them. Thanks, America, and have a good day.